electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people make friends, just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate, teach you, and put it in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC. Tweet me, at Jim Kramer. Now, I never, ever, ever want to root against the stock market because that would be rooting for people to lose money. But on a day like today where the average has got off to a not-so-hot start for bouncing back, Dow finishing up 95 points, S&P advancing 0.71%, and the Nasdaq jumping 1.31%. As much as I like the comebacks I saw in the originally lagging healthcare stocks and profitable tech names, I do cringe at some of the speculative moves that led us higher. Every now and then we get a reminder that tons of people don't understand what moves the stock over a reasonable time horizon. I say, at least for the investing club, I always say six to nine months is a good period. We saw it today when, when traders blitzed up the stock of Tesla in the early hours on word that the electric automaker might do a 10-for-1 stock split. Might. The darn thing jumped 8% on the rumor, creating $84 billion in market cap. Now, look, I like it when companies with high dollar amounts do stock splits. You know that. But in the end, I always recall that splits don't create real value. You can already trade, by the way, fractional shares of Tesla. So unless this gate is backed up by something more concrete, I expect it could evaporate into the next downturn. I have to tell you, I candidly feel the same way about the 45% run today in AMC. One of the news of it, well, actually, the reverberation of the news of a tiny investment in a speculative gold miner or the 25% gain in GameStop, well, nothing except last week's momentum uh, after Chairman Ryan Cohen bought a decent chunk of stock in the open market. I'm calling this all rank speculation. Now, why do these moves bother me? Because they're signs of froth. And froth is the enemy of the stock market, especially when we are as overbought as we are. More than six on the S&P oscillator I follow, remember, more than five is beginning to get dangerous. Now, it's not just the meme stocks. We also had a huge run in crypto today. Bitcoin up nearly 7%. These, again are speculative assets. 
When you see a speculative asset soar, you have to worry about the longevity of the recent recovery because froth typically comes at the end of a run, not the beginning. And you know we've had a nice run here. Remember, the speculative stocks have been hit the hardest since the Fed announced its battle against inflation last November. The Nasdaq, let me give you some statistics. The Nasdaq plunged more than 22% from peak to trough. The Russell 2000 small cap index plummeted 23%. The heinous Renaissance IPO ETF lost nearly half of its value. And don't even get me started on the DSPAC ETF that contains post-merger SPAC list. It's down more than 67% from its high. Now, you might think it's unfair to judge them from the peak to 12 declines, given that we've recovered from those lows. But real people paid those high prices, and many of them likely got wiped out. Maybe they've left. You need to know that that's the despair that the SPAC names and the recent IPOs dragged people to. There's a reason why we've seen so much money coming out of the stock market, and it's not just because bond yields have soared, giving you much higher rates on certificates of deposits. Don't get me wrong. This meltdown wasn't as bad as the dot-com collapse in 2000, a period I lived through both as a hedge fund manager and a co-founder of a dot-com stock. Back then, there were many newly publicly uh, traded companies with barely any revenues, let alone earnings. This time, we had more profitable IPOs, although there were still plenty with zero earnings. If the new companies were better this time around, and in the aggregate, maybe they were, why did, such a, why did we have such a horrendous experience here? Simple. Because we got a serious bout of inflation on our hands, and that's devastating to new companies that trade on the potential earnings prospects many years down the road versus ones that have it now. Inflation erodes the value of those future earnings. Now, this flood of speculative IPOs and SPACs created an untenable environment once we realized that inflation was here to stay. Remember, it was no longer transitory. Many of them might have been fine if inflation stayed low, but once it became embedded, their stocks were doomed. If you've been less speculative, though, let's say you stuck with boring, solid, profitable companies, then you wouldn't have been mauled by the bear. And that's why I'm so concerned when I see speculation trying, some people will say already did, make a huge comeback today. What would I rather see? What makes sense here and is inherently not speculative? I don't want you to outthink this market. You know what you do? You, you need to have some boring Low-priced earnings, multiple stocks, the opposite of the ones that are hurt by inflation. Hey, maybe something like Alphabet or Meta Platforms, the old, yeah, the old Facebook. Do you know that both of them now sell at historically cheap valuations? You might want a healthcare stock that can thrive if the economy does slow down because of the Fed. My favorite remains Eli Lilly, even all the way up here. We're on the cusp of a global famine if we don't get some weather relief and an end to the Russo-Ukrainian war that's pulverized the breadbasket of Europe. We know this because we heard it from the CEO of Agco right here. That's the farm equipment maker. Remember he told us that the Russian invasion could knock out as much as 13% of worldwide calories? Bad news for the malnourished. Very good news, though, for the ag complex. You need a consistent retailer that can keep ahead of inflation because it's got something special going for it. That's why we own Costco for the charitable trust, which you can follow by joining the CMC Investing Club versus, say, uh, Dave and Buster's, which reported tonight. And it doesn't look like that they could stay ahead. They don't have enough special. Oh, and then most most important. And this is a takeaway you must do tomorrow. You need an oil as fuel costs are also getting a boost from the war. Oil got hammered today because of Chinese lockdowns. Those are temporary, but I'll tell you what's not temporary if there's a cutoff in energy supply from Russia. My favorites are Chevron for a steady dividend, pullback too, and Devon also a pullback, which pioneered a new way to reward shareholders. Talked about, by the way, at our investing club, returning a great deal of their cash flow through a variable dividend rather than spending recklessly to drill baby drill. A possible Chinese COVID-related slowdowns hurting these stocks? Oh, please. 
Now, unlike nearly everyone else who comes on television to talk about stocks, I'm actually a big believer in owning a speculative stock, even two if you have 10 stocks. I think it's a great way to stay interested in the stock market, interested in your portfolio. But in my canvas of investors over the last few weeks, wow, I hear way too many people who want to own nothing but speculative stocks. Just a boatload of them. Not unlike what you get if you put your money in Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation ETF, which is speculation all the way down. Before the Fed started cracking down on inflation, we considered these conceptual stocks. They might not make anything now, let alone make money or return capital shareholders, but they had a vision of the future. Back then, Wall Street was willing to pay up for that vision. That is no longer the case. And I think you'll get burned if you try to push your luck with these spec names more than a day or two. Again, you do have my blessing to own one or two. Uh, if you're young, the set two is definite. But I want you to consider what they really are. They're like long shots at the ponies. Uh, they're a bet on St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament. It might pan out and pay you a fortune. Otherwise, it will just be a rip-up, as we call it. But if you're going to speculate, you have to be prepared for the possibility that these stocks could go to zero. Never buy something like AMC or GameStop with money you can't afford to lose. The bottom line, when you see new unseasoned merchandise exploding higher, along with names like Tesla surging on the rumor of a stock split, it tells you there might be a little too much excitement, a little too much fall off the entire market. One or two of these ones will be fine, but when you see all the speculative assets roaring in an overbought market, well, maybe you need to take a page from Chris Rock. Brace yourself for some pain. Andy in Florida, Andy. Yes, uh, hello, Mr. Kramer. Thank Andy. you for taking my call. My pleasure, Andy. How can I help? I'm a longtime member in your investment club and really appreciate the investing education provided. Oh, and I appreciate your kind words. Thank you. I did some research on Union Pacific Railroad after I heard about it from you, and I found out they're involved in the use of renewable biodiesel. From there, I looked into a biodiesel company. So my question, considering a recent buy by Chevron is what bought, brought the stock price back close to 52 week high. What do you think of REGI in the future investing in the future of biodiesel? Well, they, they've been they've been bought. Uh, Chevron bought them. And it's still one more reason to own Chevron, frankly. I think Chevron is terrific. By the way, I still like Union Pacific, too. Good. You remember the club, but I did sell it too soon. Hey, you know what, though? When you make a profit, it's better than a sharp stick in the eye. Thank you for being a member. Jimmy in Kentucky. Jimmy. Mr. Kramer. Hi. Uh, Walmart's moved up into the high 140s today. Good run today. And with inflation and fuel prices so high, I've seen Walmart parking lots full and the buggies loaded down. Are we seeing a move higher? Look, I've got to tell you, um, I was quite surprised that Walmart, which my charitable trust owns, was able to benefit so much from pulling out of tobacco in some cities. And they confirmed that to me. Um, But I've got to tell you, I have been a seller scaling out of it only because I can't say that I'm that crazy at this stage of retail because it has been historically a laggard when the Fed's raising rates. Dan in Florida. Dan. Booyah from warm and sunny Florida, Jim. Well, booyah back. What's up? (laughs) I'm a founding member of the Investing Club, and I really like your morning meetings. Oh, thank you. You've made me money, and I appreciate everything you're doing. Oh, fantastic. This is what makes my day. This is why I come to work, to help people like you. Let's go to work. (laughs) So I own the semis that are in your trust, like AMD, NVIDIA, Marvell, Qualcomm. But there's another one that seems a little different, more like an IoT play, that's still down about 12.5% on the year. They're at 16.5 times earnings with a yield of 1.62%. 
I wanted to get your take on Skyworks and whether you thought I should be a buyer here, given the other semis that I'm in. Okay, this is a great question. Now, Skyworks is part of the lesser developed uh, chips that go into Apple. And I think the stock is too low and too out of uh, whack with some of the others. So I am going to endorse buying it. But chiefly, by the way, because Liam Griffin, who is such a good manager and will get you out of that hole and better than that, too, over the long term. Right, when you see so many speculative assets pouring, you have to expect that there's going to be some pain. And I just want you to be ready. We're going to be selling for the investing club. That's why I'm clearing that with you ahead of time. All made money tonight. How has COVID changed the consumer? I'm talking to one of the top retail minds on the street who's taught me a great deal. Then KB Home is stuck in a tug of war between the bears and the bulls. I'm going to share which side I'm on. And could Abiumed, this one is so good, it's A-B-I-O-M-D, Abiumed, bring some healthy gains to your portfolio? I haven't talked to them in, in a decade. They seem to be doing many things right. I'm talking to the company CEO. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash mad money terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need indeed. Indeed. 
Now the government stimulus programs are all gone. While inflation pushes up the price of daily necessities, the consumer spending pie is shrinking a bit. That means you need to get more selective about the brands you invest in. So we need some intelligence about this. So we're catching up with one of the best retail experts in the business, the legendary Adrian Shapiro, who spent 13 years covering retail at Goldman Sachs, a true star, for going into business for herself. She's now a managing director at Eurasio. That's a French private equity firm where she leads their very exciting North American brands division. We want to talk to, to Adrian about the broader consumer environment and some of Eurasio's investments, like Herschel Supply. You, you've probably seen that, right? The high-end back, backpack. How about uh, Beekman 1802, which is what I'm showing right now. That's a clean beauty brand. Ms. Shapiro, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. So good to be here. So I've got to tell you, Adrian, I follow all your brands and was very excited. I know uh, just want to start at the top with this new one that I have in my hand, which is Beekman, of which I am looking at a beautiful Bridgerton box. People will know about that tie-in with really gorgeous soaps. There it is. So tell us how this became the next in your staple. This Look, one, I wanted to bring the one. And by the way, just, so you know, you sent me a terrific uh, kind of an advent calendar, Beekman. So I know there's more to it than what we're showing here. But go ahead. Why is yes. it your stable? Look, I wanted to bring the goat of CNBC, the goat of skincare, <laughs> right? I mean, we look at a lot of different brands. And the fact is, the category of skincare has been incredibly resilient because it's been all about self-care during COVID. And I think those habits will stick. What really excites us is that the high lifetime value of the customer, right? People, younger people are really understanding the importance of taking care of their skin. And so that means you start at an early age. So the category was incredibly resilient. We saw a lot of opportunity. Why Beekman? You know, Jim, I'm a student of consumer brands and it's always about both the product and the people. And with Beekman, the founders truly blew us away. They've got an inspirational story and a truly powerful partnership with each other. So we're super excited. Okay, so when you when you get a hold of these things, what does Eurasio add to it? Because, look, this is a great boutique brand, just like Nest. When you first showed me Nest, I had no idea. And now I see Nest in a lot of places and it's displayed beautifully. Will I be seeing Beekman in a lot of different outlets? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, what we love about Beekman, it's clinically kind. So what does that mean? They've got a hero ingredient product, which is, has real science behind it. It's all about goat milk, which is great for the microbiome, sensitive skin. But the best ingredient, if you look at any of the products, I feel like I'm the, like the Vanna White these days of uh, private equity. But if you look at any of their products, the last ingredient is uh, kindness. It's always listed. And the brands... Um, Brands might come and go, but kindness will never go out of style. So the products are kind to your neighbor, kind to the planet, kind to yourself. And so we loved that really special combination where the founder, Dr. Brent, is all about the science, and then Josh is all about the sparkle. And so you ask, what does Eurasio bring? We're all about bringing the scale. And so we really got excited about the foundation that they have. But, you know, a lot of people talk about value-added capital, but I think Eurasio... We don't just talk about it. We do it. We brought our new chairman of the board, Mark Ray, to chair uh, Beekman's board. And he is the CEO of Beauty Counter and had been the CEO of Shiseido North America. And then Jill Scalamandre, we just announced as our new CEO. She, too, 
you know, a beauty powerhouse. She had been at uh, Shiseido running Bare Minerals. So the two of them are really sort of catapulting this little engine that could to uh, to blast off. And so that's really what, you know, Eurasio brings to the table. We recognize a strong foundation, a strong founder story, something that resonates with the consumer, and then really kind of uh, leverage our network, our connections to bring the talent to execute. And, you know, you mentioned Nest. Very similar. We were attracted to a great founder who okay. had built a great foundation. And so it was a very similar story there, no, too. But these are expensive products for the most part. And you also have raw costs that are going up. How is the consumer a position to be able to buy these great products? Well, look, I think it's all about, one, they work, right? So, again, there's real science here. Uh, the goat milk is proven generationally. The reason people use it is it actually works for your microbiome. And so, one, it works. And two, we're sort of, I, I'd say, early prestige, sort of entry prestige, if you will, where um, I, I think much like Nest and Beekman are sort of great American brands that are aspirational but inviting. They're not intimidating. So they don't overwhelm you with science. It's much more about sort of products that work but that are approachable and kind. All right, one last question. The consumer, strong, weak, uh, worried uh, when you see your numbers, uh, more concerned about buying certain things or more concerned about going out. Where's Where's the consumer doing? So far, the consumer is strong. I mean, we've really seen across our portfolios strong performance. I mean, again, we are earlier stage growth equity. So right. I'd say we've been delivering double digit growth and we're thankfully not necessarily um, hit by the macro yet because of the size of our businesses. But, you know, look, it's been good. You know, we have right. gone through sort of, you know, between the stimulus, obviously a lot of crises, now geopolitical risks. So, you know, the fact is the consumer has shrugged off a lot. So, you know, fingers crossed. Right. Well, I think the consumer, you've got the right products. The consumer's always going to buy kind products. I like, they're nice. I love that. Adrian Shapiro, managing director of Eurasio, who has done such a great job. These are terrific brands. I hope you'll take a look at them. I love this, this Bridgerton package because so, well, this is something I'll get from my wife for Mother's Day. She won't even know. She doesn't watch the show. No, it's, back it's, the it's pretty like Bridgerton, but it has the personality of Ted Lasso. It's a big <laughs> I, hug. I like that. I like that. Everybody's back after the break. Thank you. Coming on, the bulls and bears are uncaged and colliding over the stock of KB Home. Which side will come out on top? Stick with Kramer and find out next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The economy's in a classic bad news is a good news situation. We've got the Federal Reserve poised to raise interest rates rapidly in order to tamp down on inflation. Even our usually measured Fed chief, Jay Powell, is talking about 50 basis points, double rate hikes, like they're nothing. Whenever the Fed's tightening like this, Wall Street desperately craves any sign that the economy might be slowing on its own. Because that's the only thing that will take more aggressive rate hikes off the table. That's what you get. How do you figure out which is more likely? Okay, there are certain industries that punch above the weight class, as opposed to the love tap Will Smith gave Chris Rock at the Oscars last night. Best example, housing. Not only are homes the number one repository of wealth for regular Americans, I distinguish that from the billionaires who may actually have to pay, pay a few bucks extra, but when you buy a, you know, you buy a new home, what do, you, what do you do? Well, first, you go with all sorts of furniture, right? You add appliances. Hey, maybe you need a new car to get around if you're moving from the city to the suburbs. So if you want to find evidence that the Fed's push to cool down the economy is working, you just have to watch the home builders. Of course, we're in a weird moment for housing because of this pandemic. The home builders have been minting money as Americans migrate to the suburbs and the country thanks to the rise of remote work. Yes, the hybrid economy. House prices have risen sharply all over the country, especially in the Sun Belt. And the home builders sound extremely confident that this era of strong demand will continue at least to the end of the year, possibly longer. Remember, we also have some great tax breaks in other parts of the country where you might want to move to. Hey, given the insane rise in rents, by the way, a home could still be a bargain. But the home building stocks have all been pulverized ever since the Fed declared war on inflation because a higher federal funds rate ultimately does translate into higher mortgage rates and therefore lower affordability. Throw in the industry's skyrocketing costs, lumber, metals, appliance, labor, and it's clear these guys could have a big problem. Boy, a lot of things go wrong when inflation spirals, don't they? We got a perfect example last week, a real bull bear case, when KB Home, a very well-run home builder, reported a truly disappointing quarter. But we also saw that many investors still aren't willing to let go of the home builders. And KB itself doesn't seem willing to accept a possibly negative fate. While their results were a big miss, management didn't actually lower its full-year forecast. In fact, they raised some parts of their guidance. It sounded pretty defiant on the conference call. According to KB, average selling prices for homes remain great. And despite rising rates, demand hasn't shown any signs of slowing down yet. In response, though, the bears won. The stock got hammered. 38 down to 33 over the course of last week. But if you believe KB's management and believe the bulls, what an incredible buying opportunity. Because the stock now trades at just 3.3 times this year's earnings estimates. Guys, that's a comically low multiple. Maybe the lowest in the entire stock market. Personally, I think that's often a sign that the estimates are too high. But let me give you both sides of the story. I want you to make your own judgment on this. First, you need to know that KB Home had already been beaten down going into the quarter. Because everyone knows it's in the Fed's crosshairs. The decline in the stock attracted a number of bullish analysts who were enticed by the cheap valuation and the fact that this company had been putting up excellent numbers, particularly in California, including some great earnings when reported just in January. Now, fast forward to last Wednesday, when KB Homes delivered a meaningful top and bottom line shortfall. The culprit? They only delivered 2,868 homes. Wall Street was looking for 3,180. 
While the average selling price was higher than expected, up 22%, year over year that wasn't enough to make up for the deliveries miss. There were some other positives here, too, though. KB's very strong backlog at, at its highest level for the first quarter since the housing boom in 2007. Oh, but then people remember the 2007, and they want to just say, whoa, too heavy. More importantly, management reaffirmed their full-year revenue forecast, raised their margin forecast in large part because they expect to see higher pricing. As CEO Jeffrey Metzger, and he is an old hand, put on the conference call, our biggest challenge today is completing homes not selling them as demand continues to be robust. Uh, in other words, uh, according to Metzger, KB Homes has a supply chain problem, but demand for housing is still on fire. They're actually borrowing more money to boost land purchases so they can have more inventory, which is not something you'd be doing if you're really worried about demand, correct? And hey, according to C- the CFO, KB Homes' book value now stands at $35.37, which is what the business would be worth if you simply liquidated everything tomorrow and returned the proceeds to shareholders. You rarely see a home builder trading at a big discount to book value. Right now, the stock's at 33 and change. It does seem to be cheap versus what they own. But now there's only one problem. It's something a couple of analysts pointed out in what I thought was a contentious conference call during the Q&A portion. KB Home got not one, but two questions that boiled down to, hey, if you guys think your stock is so darn cheap, why aren't you buying it back hand over fist for the company? In response, Messler said he'd rather spend that money on building more homes in order to take advantage of the booming housing market, although he left open the possibility of making opportunistic buybacks in the future, but I thought not much chance for that. Honestly, I was impressed by KB's ability to tell a great story, and I understand why some investors would find that ultra-low valuation enticing. How often do you see a high-quality home builder selling at three times earnings for heaven's sake? The problem is this. I've been in the business for more than 40 years, so I can question what they're up to. The home builders are cyclical stocks that rise and fall with the broader economy. Cyclicals get this cheap when Wall Street's worried about the earnings estimates. Maybe what is cheap will turn out to be expensive if sales fall off a cliff. Remember, the Federal Reserve is on track to hit us with a series of rate hikes this year, maybe multiple double rate hikes if inflation doesn't cool down on its own. KB Home may be confident in demand for housing now. But last Thursday, we got mortgage application data for the week ending March 18th. It showed an 8.1% decline versus the previous week. Looking back, mortgage applications have now been down for six of the last seven weeks. Not positive. That's exactly, though, what you'd expect. The 30-year U.S. Treasuries, they've seen the yields rise from 1.7 in early December to north of 2.5 right now. I mean, that's the highest level since mid-2019. This is the most important benchmark for mortgage rates. Hawkish Federal Reserve will only push it higher. While KB Home is a terrific company with exposure to some of the strongest housing markets across the Sunbelt, I think you may be taking your life in your hands as an investor if you try to fight the Fed. Then there's a question of execution. This morning, Alpha called Wolf Research downgraded KB from outperform to peer perform, uh, basically put by the whole. As they put it, closings have come in below at, or at the bottom of the guided range the past five quarters, and our confidence in, in, stab- in stabilized operations has wavered. Wow, that was pretty challenging words. Here's the bottom line. Right now, the analysts are saying that home buyers are pulling back because of rising interest rates. Makes sense. KB Homes saying that the real issue is they can't make enough homes fast enough due to supply chain issues. Both explanations seem plausible, but I'm a simple man. If KB starts buying back its stock aggressively, I'll be right there with them. If they don't, I'm staying on the sidelines. Let's go to Charles in Tennessee. Charles. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I am doing well, Charles. How about you? Doing fine. Hey, I had a question for you. Uh, my wife, she bought some stocks at Lowe's when she worked there about 12 years ago. Got about 150 shares. 
it's been going down, down, down here lately. We've lost about 5,000 since December. Yeah. What do you think on that? You think it might go back up, or should I just should uh, I hold I on want to it? I want you to hold on to it. I think Marvin Ellison's doing a great job. We are about to go into the beautiful spring selling season, which is very big. It's trading like a housing stock. But remember, they do more than just uh, work for for home builders, for heaven's sake. They do renovation, they've got great gardening, and it's, a, and it's an improving company. That alone makes it worth owning. Right, the analysts are saying home buyers are pulling back because of interest rates. KB Home is saying it's because they can't make enough houses fast enough. Both well, explanations make sense. KB Home start buying back stock aggressively. I will be right there with them. If they don't, much more mad money ahead. Could my exclusive with Abiumed? Wait, you hear this one? An investment in a medical device maker? Well, it's got a real strong hedge. Don't you think against a Fed mandated slowdown? You know that congestive heart failure doesn't take a break with a slowdown. I'm going to talk to the CEO. And AMC CEO Adam Aaron is ushering a new way of leadership for a public company on the backs of shareholders. And I'm discussing why it's front and center when evaluating a stock like AMC. Very speculative. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. If you think we're headed for some kind of Fed-mandated slowdown like I do, uh, then you got to circle the wagons around industries that work just fine, even in a not-so-hot economy, like the medical device makers. Take Abiumed, which makes devices for circulatory support and oxygenation, like their flagship Impella heart pump. Now, here's a stock that's been a huge long-term winner. Didn't that we spoke to these guys last a decade ago? The stock was in the low 20s. Now it's at 321. That's a 1,350% gain. That's why we do this, right? More recently, the stock has struggled, in part because the pandemic caused so many people to delay non-emergency medical procedures. But I think this could be Abiumed's time to shine. It's a real company with an important product that's in high demand thanks to the prevalence of coronary artery disease. By the way, that is the number one cause of death in the United States. It's got real earnings, too, although the stock isn't exactly cheap at these levels, but none of these are in this in this cohort. Still, it might be worth paying up for, especially since the most recent quarter was real good. So let's check in with Mike Minogue. He's the chairman and CEO of Abiumed to get a better read on the business and its prospects. Mr. Minogue, after a dozen years, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, how you doing? Thanks for having me back. A lot has changed since I've been with you. Well, I'd like you to run uh, through some of those changes, including what you guys are calling 2.0, because it's been a long time since 1.0 for our viewers. Absolutely. So when we met 10 years ago, uh, we had 126 million in sales. Now we're about a billion. We had 70 million in cash. Now we have a billion in cash with no debt. We had 70 patents. Now we have over 1,300 patents and 1,300 pending. And most important, 10 years ago, we had treated 7,000 patients. Now we're over 220,000 patients. And uh, we're able to take our technology with some of the best physicians and nurses in the field, even during COVID, and produce better outcomes for high-risk PCI, for cardiogenic shock, for heart failure, We also have the benefit of having two FDA emergency use authorizations for right heart failure with pulmonary embolism and shock, as well as cardiogenic shock, whether it's from an AMI or from myocarditis. And we also use it along with a combined technology called ECMO and a Pella called ECPELA. Now, one of the things when I'm listening to these, some of these, of course, beyond my ken, but I'm thinking these all sound so serious. Would anyone really not go to the hospital to do this during COVID? 
Yeah, so that's a great question. And one of the things we try to do with the societies is, is let people know the importance that if you have chest pain or you're in trouble, go to the hospital. A lot of folks were fearful, especially older patients. And what we found is that this made the impella support or the hemodynamic stability even more important. So they could, they're not uh, elective procedures, they're essential procedures. Right. So high risk PCI. Some are having chest pain that it's called non STEMI. Others are arriving to the hospital getting CPR, and that's where the impella pump is put in before the treatment so you can stabilize the patient. That's one of our best practices that's been published and validated in the U.S., Germany, Italy, and Japan. And I'd like to show you a little bit of the pump itself. Is the pencil, uh, it's smaller than a pencil tip. The pump is actually above my fingers is the world's smallest heart pump. And so this is a nine French catheter, but we're also launching a new pump that's now in our pivotal study called the Impella ECP. And it's even smaller, and it's really ideal for a high-risk PCI patient so that you can, you can put the device in through a nine French hole and remove it through a nine French well, hole. But, but so you have to tell really, us, like, how does that get into your body? Sure. So what's unique about Impella and there's an animation on our website with our corporate presentation, abiumed.com. But the pump is put through a small hole in your leg, and it's pushed up inside and up around the aortic arch to go in your left ventricle. And so prior heart pumps required a sternotomy or sawing open of the sternum, right, spreading right. the ribs, and then putting holes in the heart. So it's unique because it can be put in in minutes through a small hole in your leg. But we also have products now for the heart surgeons that can put in pumps through the axillary artery in the shoulder, and that's our new Impella 5.5 pump that allows for full hemodynamic support. And then those patients can get up and walk around or ride a treadmill getting ready for the next treatment. And we also have a percutaneous heart pump for the right side of the heart as well. So now we can do biventricular support from two small holes in your leg or one in your axillary right, so, artery. So are you ahead of the game in the sense that when I was growing up, obviously, when I was growing up, congestive heart failure was just considered to be, well, then you die. I mean, now it's just a kind of a treatable disease from a lot of things I see. But is the profession, uh, are they up on what you're doing? Yeah, they are. And there's some great technology and companies out there. So if you're looking at the valve, that's the door to, if you house analogy, the door down is the valve that's Edwards, it's percutaneous. Right. The, if you go into the basement, the lights work. That's the electricity. If you go into the bathroom, the plumbing works. That's the coronaries and the stents. God. But if you don't pump the water out of your basement, you'll destroy the foundation of the house. So we are the heart recovery company. We're not only trying to keep patients alive, but enable procedures in the cath lab or surgical suite and also allow the heart to rest and recover. Heart disease is the number one killer. We have a growing epidemic of heart failure because of obesity and type 2 diabetes. That's also the number one right. cause of death for type 2 diabetes. And what we really want to do is enable this older population to have minimally invasive treatment. But we have teenagers with myocarditis. We have young moms with postpartum cardiomyopathy. They want to go home with their own heart. We have moms and dads having heart attacks where you put the device in and stabilize them. And then we have 65-year-olds and above that want to have the option of minimally invasive procedures, something where you can put the impella in and a skilled interventional cardiologist can place stents so that the patients can go home and 90 days later potentially have an improved heart function. 
So we're really excited about what we're doing, but we're kind of the next frontier now that the heart pump is where the next revolution is going to happen. Now, for uh, there was an outfit. Um, I hate to even dignify them, but actually, I'm not going to because, oh, what the hell? There was a company that said that you do not have meaningful pipeline catalysts, that they're still a ways off. I'm listening to you and I'm saying that just can't be true. You've just described a whole bunch of catalysts to me. Yeah, so today we got the best outcomes we've ever had. We only dropped one quarter in COVID. We grew the rest. It was just the first quarter. We actually are, we grew last quarter. It was a record quarter in patients and revenue. Our forecast is for a record quarter this year, which we're on track in our forecast. And again, every quarter for us is growing sequentially now and is a record. It's because we have a lot of penetration to go for existing products, existing exclusive FDA approvals. And we also have the Impella 5.5 pump, which is the heart pump for the, for the surgeons put through the axillary. Right. This has been growing over 150% in COVID. There's nothing like it in the world because it completely can unload. It can pump the blood for your heart. It has sensors on it. And what we also do with our technology is we allow the, the, the console information to run in the cloud and we provide unique service to the hospitals. We're bedside right. with our team. We're on the phone, but we're also in the cloud where okay. I can see now 90% of my patients right from my phone. Wow. I look, I this gives you. us, it's called Impella Connect. And right. that's why we're able to monitor and help our hospitals, even with the labor shortages or COVID restrictions. Well, I got to tell you, a really different company from when we saw you then. And I still think there's a lot more to run. These are all very exciting, sir. That's Mike Minogue. He's the chairman, president, and CEO of Abiumed. We made a lot of money before ABMD. I think we're going to make a lot of money again. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Thank you for saving as many Thanks, lives Jim. as you do. Holy cow. What great stuff. And Thank the best you. is yet to come. Thanks all for right. your time. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, a storm is coming. So give us a call. Kramer's got the answers to all your burning questions. The lightning round is next. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. I mean, you can't beat it. You want an Apple phone. They give you the phone, then you run up the subscription, the bill comes out at 3 a.m., so nobody sees it except for me. And I, sometimes I see it because I'm going to sleep, sometimes I see it because I just get up. But there it is. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. It is time! It's time for the lightning! And then the lighting runs over. Are you ready? Ski that down the way. Okay, let's start with Chris in New York. Chris. Booyah, Jim. Huge fan of you and the show. It is an honor and a privilege to be speaking with you. What are your thoughts on Wells Fargo, simple WFC, and when are we getting Charlie Shark on the show? Oh, oh, I would love to have Charlie on. He's the CEO, and this is one of the largest positions in the Travel Trust. I reiterated our 1020 morning meeting. Wells Fargo is the bank stock to own. John in New Jersey. John. Jim, how do you do, sir? I am doing well. How about you? Need your advice, brother. Need your advice, brother. Sure. ENB, Enbridge. Oh, I like Enbridge. Wall Street doesn't like it. I like yield and growth. And Al Monaco's going to give it to you. How about Juan in Nevada? Juan. 
Is this Jimmy Chill? You bet it is. Hey, Jim. Hey, I'm an investing cl- uh, club member. Very Perfect. happy. Uh, I already own AMD and Marvell in your recommendation. Thank, Thank you, you very much. And I'm looking for more semiconductor exposure for automotive side. I'm looking at NXP Semiconductor. I like NXP. They are really the auto semiconductor. I know that I should probably have more auto and less telco, but I like ours, too. I think you got a good story there. Michael in Tennessee. Michael. Hey, Jim. How's it going? I am doing Uh, well. How about you? Doing pretty well. I got a stock down um, 46% yield year to date. It's got a net profit margin of about 46%, and they just announced a 1 million share repurchase plan. What do you think about InMode here? I like InMode. I like skin care. That's why I like very much. I like, I'm like. i going to give you for my ch- channel trust. We like Bow's Health. It's been a complete dog. It's just not working. But that's because they haven't been able to do their IPO yet. 22 bucks. Bye, 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 bye. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. As the dynamic AMC CEO once again spun gold for the silver screen stock, Kramer considers a deal to which the critics are giving two thumbs up. Next. Booyah! Booyah, Jimmy. Booyah! Mr. Kramer, thank you for taking my call and everything you do for us. A long-time listener, first-time caller. After reading every book you've written five times over, I've been able to leave a traditional career at age 37 to make a full-time successful career managing my own portfolio. I've been watching your show for about 10 years. Thank you for everything that you do. Thank you so much for everything you do for us, home gamers. Just want to thank you for sharing your market knowledge. You have unquestionably impacted my approach as a serious investor. This is a great one. Nothing infuriates professional money managers like seeing AMC stock jump 45% today after CEO Adam Aaron Kimmel squawk on the street, our show, and explained his company's investment in a profitless gold and silver miner. They're aghast at how much the markets love loves a seemingly nonsensical move. I mean, what the heck does a movie theater chain need with a gold mine? At the same time, smart, sensible deals can't get any love. HP Inc. fell nearly 3% today after they bought Poly, a computer peripherals company that fits right in with their product line. This morning, CEO Enrique Lores told us a very good story on Crawl of the Street about how Poly will solidify HP's efforts to own the remote work business. Hybrid. What a crazy juxtaposition, though, in one single hour. I get why this drives the professionals nuts. Gold mining and movie, well, movie going, they aren't exactly two great tastes that taste great together. Even more aggravating, AMC already ran up more than 25% last week on the same news. Their capital injection has caused a massive rally in Highcroft, a, a penny stock gold buyer, and so it's got silver, too, that they invested, prompting Adam Aaron to crow that he's already made a lot of money for shareholders. It was a good appearance, but a 45% improvement on old news? That's a showman for you. As for Laura's at HP, he says they need Poly badly, even though it's only growing about a 15% clip, because people need a full suite of products to work from home. I question why he just doesn't make his own accessories, given that HP is a terrific manufacturer. Although in my experience, I don't really find the sound quality of his computers that great. Hey, maybe Poly will help. Laura says that they're the best at what they do. And honestly, so it's a pretty reasonable move. And Enrique has made a ton of money for shareholders. But let's get this. Let's get serious here. There are many types of mergers, and I have to be impressed by the way Adam Aaron has been able to make so much money for AMC shareholders 
via what can only be called financial alchemy. The reason why this totally speculative investment can work is thanks to a cohort of home gamers who call themselves apes. You might be one of them. They love Adam Aaron because he's moved AMC stock higher through sheer grit and determination. That's that's giving the apes a chance to cash in. Of course, I have no idea how many will actually take that chance. They seem addicted to letting it ride. They're not that prudent. Either way, the stock can keep rallying as long as Adam can cultivate the cult. Get them to buy into anything he does. He's probably got some more up his sleeve. He's rebuilt this almost dead company on the backs of the apes, and it seems like they'll support whatever he wants. And it's working. Now you might ask, is it right that it works? Does it make sense that AMC has more than doubled, adding more than $8 billion in market capitalization since its $27.9 million investment in Highcroft, gold and silver mine? I see you can't argue with the results. Adam has embraced his shareholder base to the point where they just worship him. Hey, by the way, we've seen the same thing with Ryan Cohen, the chairman of GameStop. Last week, we learned that he bought 100,000 shares, and now this stock has also doubled in just one week. The professionals might say this is all some crazy cult of personality, maybe even a dangerous one. I say you should try to understand why the cult exists in the first place. I think Adam Aaron is being very smart here. The movie theater business has been soft because of COVID. But when other chains went under, he's been able to raise a lot of money thanks to the apes and be king of the category now that the movies are back. So why not use some of that cash to make some speculative investments with big potential payoffs? Frankly, I hope Ryan Cohen at GameStop takes a page from the same playbook. In the end, these guys are catering to their shareholder base, which is dominated by Reddit posters who love speculation. These are individuals. I think most traditional CEOs cater way too much to big institutions and not enough to the individual investor. If Adam Aaron were traditional CEO, AMC would have gone under. But by dint of his personality, he changed his shareholder base and that allowed AMC to live to play again while making a ton of money for people. By the way, including himself. Remember what I said at the top of the show, I champion speculation? Well, you want to be in one of these. Just promise me, promise me, please, not to make it your whole portfolio. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.